What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, Uber Lyft driver and gig economy news. Sponsored by Middleton Technologies Maximo. I'm your host, SJ, and it's time to get it on. What's up, everybody, and thank you for coming back to another episode of Rideshare Rodeo. I know this is the second one in a week, but unfortunately, I wasn't able to post this until till today. Um, usually, the, the podcast drops on Tuesday, and I did drop a podcast on Tuesday. This is a special uh, edition of what was supposed to be dropped on Tuesday. So a little extra work for me this week, but however... Um, this is the piece that I think all gig workers, platform-based, on-demand, delivery, rideshare, as well as traditional, self-employed, all 59 million of the gig economy workers in the United States need to listen to this, this roundtable. I'm very pleased to have such a great lineup. Um, you know, I have Kim Cavan, I have Karen Anderson, I have Lisa Rothstein, and I have Gail Gordon, all who have been on the show before, um, a couple of them a couple times. And we've all talked about this from all angles, AB5, Pro Act, all this stuff. Well, this is the first time I've had them all together. And we're going to get into it here. And I'll come back on the other side. But before I do that, I just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, uh, Middleton Technologies. People, if you are driving delivery or if you are driving rideshare, or if you're doing uh, Amazon Flex, check out middletontech.com. From there, go to the apps, and you'll see Flex Alert. You'll see the driver uh, utility helper, the DUH. You'll see Maximo. And Maximo is the rideshare app that lets you filter your requests to be what you want in your market for Uber, Lyft, and it even incorporates Uber Eats and Grubhub. So you can set all your filters in there so that it auto-accepts, hands-free, turns off the other apps when you accept one of your apps. That's um, got a voice control, all kinds of features depending on which of the apps you work. Um, so go check those out. Uh, we will be doing uh, a piece with Gary here on the 17th of this month. And it will come to the podcast at some point as well. But that piece will be live at uh, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, February 17th. Gary Middleton from Middleton Tech. Okay, so we are going to jump right in here since the podcast um, Tuesday ran a little over and this one's going to run a little over. And then next week I have Display Ride, um, which is going to be going back to the CEO founder of Display Ride and and trying to match that, get back to our hour, hour 15 goal again. These two were two of the long ones. That's why I plugged them together on this week. This one is super important and all gig workers need to listen to it. 
So check this out. I'm going to jump in. I'll come back on the other side. So this is a special edition of Rideshare Rodeo with all guests I've had before on here who uh, now I've, I've never had them combined. So we're going to talk about what's happened in California with AB5, what's happening around the country, as well as some of the changes that have been made to the PRO Act, which is still around. I think people have gotten too comfortable with it just didn't pass and maybe it's just all good. But And that's even for the few who know. I still always am telling people about this stuff and they don't know. But um, I want to introduce everybody here because even though they've all been on, you might not have met them before. So I have Kim Cavan. Um, I don't know what corner she would be in. in the, I, I'm yeah. hello from my kitchen in New Jersey. <laughs> and then we have uh, Gail over on the far other side. I am uh, in Gail Santa Gordon. Monica, California. Yeah, we have Lisa Rothstein. Hi there. I'm usually in San Diego, but today I'm in New York City. <laughs> and we have uh, Karen Anderson. Hey there. I'm. Uh, wait, am I on mute? There you are. <laughs> okay. I'm in South Orange County, California. Okay. So, um, I guess first of all, you know, uh, Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> I haven't seen you guys, and uh, um, well, you know, what's what what is going on with? I mean, can we start with what's going on with AB five? Is anything? changed is anything budged are people getting more on board to take it down at least on the level of some of the freelancers outside of the exemptions like where's where's all that at this year right now well the truckers still have their um their lawsuit and uh they've petitioned the supreme court so they, there's still an injunct preliminary injunction on 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 them being uh you know, having AB5 apply to them. So that's all up in the air. It's very, they're very much in limbo, the independent owner-operator truckers. Um, and it's still just, you know, I get stories in my group, freelancers from freelancers against AB5. I get stories every day from people that are still impacted by this law from, a, you know, the, over across the vast swath of professions. It's, it's, still, uh, it's still wreaking havoc everywhere in play on, on people that you would have no idea that it would affect. Yeah. What's, what's super frustrating is that the, the whole instigator of AB5, Lorena Gonzalez, is no longer in the assembly. She's taken a job with, um, but I forget, the, I forget her exact title, but she's like the head of like the, um, the uh, I think it's the APL-CIO in, in California now or something like that. California so, Labor Union. The California Labor Federation. Union. That's it. California Labor Federation. Thank you. And so it's like she's gone now. She's she's done her damage. Now she's gone, but and and now she's now she's out there, you know, saying publicly all the gloves are completely off, um, and she's saying how much she wants to unionize everybody, which we always knew that this was that's what this whole thing is about, right? But now she's out there saying it, you know, bluntly, and 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 all the people who were who were afraid of her because she was head of appropriations and who voted her way because she forced them to. Now, I mean, we should really be able to petition all of them and say, hey, listen, she's gone now. Can we can we all admit this was a big mistake and we can just repeal this stupid law now? But I'm not sure if that's going to happen, how that's going to happen. Just the fact well, that she's gone doesn't necessarily mean that they're not beholden anymore to those interests. Well, um, who, who has taken her place? Uh, well, there have to be an election. Right. So, I mean, is there a good, chance of, is there a good chance of that flipping? Or is that is that oh. always going to stay? Oh. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, her, her, 
her seat was never important. She 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 had a she she was a um, she was the assemblywoman for District Eighty, which is a little border district. It's not it's not it's not that the district made her that important. She just managed to because of her labor backing and because of all of the um, you know the, the the strong support that she had, she managed to get herself you know um, you know a lot of power while she was in the assembly. But there's nothing special about that seat that gives that gives a person that much power. So, okay, yeah, I had read something about her, um, I think I reposted it too, where she was, you know, weighing in on pass-fail, like she was like, we just need pass-fail, I'm like, jeez, I mean, it just never ends with her, <laughs> she's like, well, she's, she's just like a moving, like, like destroyers <laughs> <laughs> like everything in her no, no, I mean, and the, well, the point is she's now she's now well no longer a force in the assembly and she's trying to be a force outside but um you know the only real way to get this law uh, repealed and the problem is there's still a super majority in the assembly but i do think that there were some people there were some people on on her side who were, who were already expressing doubts about AB5. It's, it's become kind of a punchline anyway um, in california politics so I think there's a good. I think we have a chance to maybe convince some people, but I'm not sure how we would go about that. Well, I'd like to say that the California Labor Federation, who she's going to head, she's going to be the head of it starting in July. They were the sponsor of AB five. They were the ones that wrote the bill. So she's been, even though she's not in the assembly now, she will be wielding as much power, if not more, over all of the other legislature le- legislators. And and like Lisa said, the the gloves are off. She's she's has a bully pulpit. She's she's already she's already using it. It's just amazing. Her tweets have gotten even more caustic than they than they were before. And so, she finally blocked me, so I can't see them. But but uh, no, she was working for them the whole time, and now she's just made it official. Really. Yeah, and that's a very power. It's the most powerful, largest coalition of, of unions in in the state so they wield all this power over all the legislators they're the ones that you know can select and install them and contribute big bucks to campaigns and 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 call in the hounds to to oppose you know certain uh bills or even uh initiatives ballot initiatives i mean she's got as much power if not more now that she's she's the head of that uh that um uh, the california labor federation well, Gail, what about you? Have you seen any changes at all that have helped or that have even maybe not a change yet, but something something in the right direction, at um, least for the nonprofit end, if nothing else that is I know there's a lot of there's a lot of sneaking going on. There's because people want to perform and they want their um their performers to be able to get paid. There's a lot of under the table stuff going on. A lot of the big companies who shall remain nameless are continuing to pay 1099s. I'm sorry. I don't know how to turn these phones off. Um, And they're, uh, but as far as my level, as far as the regional level goes, it's not happening. Theater is not not happening. You're not even seeing signs or like, Like the other opera house that we talked about, your friend down in, I think it was San Diego even, who had another opera house and went right. through some fines and right. like nothing's happening for them positive. No, nothing. no. She tapped out financially. I mean, she tried, she tried one show and it, it's a matter of, 
of fundraising. And if you're fundraising for one show, it doesn't, your whole season gets trashed. Um, I know that I, cause I ask, I ask people that, that are part of, you know, the Los Angeles opera community and theater community, the big opera companies, they don't care. They don't care if they get audited or not, but everybody else is shut down. Right, because as, as you and I discussed before, the big opera companies are W two, right? Not all of them. Not all of Even them. Even some of the ones you're talking about that are still correct. I mean, it depends. It depends on which they have choristers. Yes, the choristers are W two. They have their in house um, orchestra. Yes, they're W two. But they have people coming in and out from all over the world. So if somebody comes in for one week of performances, then they leave and go back to Europe. Right. Yeah. Um, and then just, uh, I guess I'd seen the, I saw the opera thing that Kim, you had, that you had uh, brought up. And again, for those people that thought that this was dropping on Tuesday, now that you're seeing this on Thursday, um, there was a reason for that. And so I'm going to hand it over to Kim for a minute and see where this part takes us because something is um, going on that when you see this, it, it will be okay to watch this. So, Yeah. So um, the group that I helped co-found fight for freelancers, uh, we, we are outside of California. We have members all over the country, including in California, but we started in New Jersey when they tried to spread AB5 into other states. And we helped to stop that. And then they tried to take it up to the federal level at the PRO Act, and they can't seem to do that. So now the current battleground is regulatory agencies that do not require any movement by Congress. This is, this is agencies within the White House that can simply do things, make right regulations, make policies, and just change things. So uh, at the end of December, the National Labor Relations Board put out a call. They're looking for amicus briefs, which is a, it's, it's like a friend of the court document. Of the yeah, that lawyers file. Um, it, they're they're going to revisit a case. And their specific request for these briefs was to try to figure out what standard they're going to use going forward to determine independent contractor status at the National Labor Relations Board. And so what we did was we reached out to some attorneys just asking questions like good journalists that we are and said, do you have to be a lawyer to write one of these? Because boy, have we collected a lot of people and information over these past few years. We're pretty good writers. If somebody could show us the format, I think we could maybe, maybe do this. And we got our hands on some examples of some amicus briefs and we got some examples of how legal citations are done and we wrote one and it's a substantial document. Uh, it, you're talking about overall, the meat of the thing is 20 pages and then the citations go on for almost another 10 pages. It's a, it's a serious undertaking. And uh, that was filed today uh, with the national labor relations board and it is co-signed by, Yay. I don't even know, at least a dozen, I want to say, other groups nationwide, uh, including Karen Anderson's Freelancers Against AB5, Gail Gordon's New Me Opera Theater. We have the American Society of Journalists and Authors. We have the Freelance Community of the Society of Professional Journalists. We have all these different groups. We have the um, 
the there's a couple of translator and interpreter groups have co-signed it. What, what we did was get together with all the people we knew who've been fighting this nationwide. We've put together this document and we're dropping a, a big press release today, trying to make sure that the voices of independent contractors are heard everywhere that this battle is being fought. That is our purpose in doing this today. And everybody did it as a volunteer. If you Google these documents online, you're going to see that lawyers get paid somewhere between $10,000 and $40,000 to write these things. This is in the wrong business. I know, right? It's a big ordeal. We just used our skills for free and called on our friends to help. And hundreds of writers and editors and others looked through this document to try to make it as good as it can be. And we're doing our best to fight for everybody. So that's the news today. So. I have one question about that. So how, you were mentioning, you know, doing the best to represent the independent contractors. How how does the word get out to the independent contractors that don't already know about any of this? AB5, what's going on in New Jersey, ProAct, any of this? Because I try and get the word out there too, but I still weekly hear from people who are like, wait, what is this? Well, our hope is that something like this is a pretty big move. Several lawyers have used the word unprecedented with us that people just never thought to try or or didn't think they could or or didn't have money to hire lawyers to do it. And um, so we're hopeful uh, when we send out our press release today, and you know, everyone who's involved is going to try to make a little noise about it. We're hopeful that the press will pick up on it. And, you know, the, the, the thrust of our brief is no matter what standard is used for independent contractors going forward, it should be one that protects the choice of independent contractor work. If you want to be self-employed, you should be allowed to be self-employed. It's been that way since the founding of the nation in 1776. So that's the thrust of our brief. It's a pretty powerful brief. And we're hopeful that if we do a good job making a little bit of noise about the fact that we did this very big thing, uh, it will help get the word out to more and more people who just are unaware of what's been going on the past few years. If you don't live in a blue state, you've probably never heard of any of this. And even if you do live in a blue state, people just are not are not aware. And even when you make them aware, they can't believe it's so bad. They can't believe it's actually for real. They, they're like, oh, well, they can't possibly apply to me. Or they say, oh, that's only about DoorDash drivers. Because that's, what's all, that's what all the um, press has been talking about. And what I liked about your brief, Kim, thank you for sharing it with us ahead of time, is, is that it makes a big distinction and, 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 and reminds people of the obvious fact that there were independent contractors before Uber was invented below. And that and that, you know, I think that I think that most people, whenever even when they do hear about it, they dismiss the whole thing as only applying to app-based work. And they don't they, they they think it couldn't possibly apply to translators, writers, designers, uh, healthcare. That's something that always I try and bring up as much as possible. When somebody's like a little gray area, I'm like, okay, if you're if you're a little confused, would this would this be okay on any level on a nonprofit? Not that that's the only one that they should be fighting for, but just I, I always hope that puts them into a little bit of check. Like, no, of course not. Okay, well, then why should it happen to anybody? You know, like. Well, like Lisa said, we there's hundreds and hundreds of professions that are, and we right. we don't list them all, but we have a good chunk, and we we worked with 
uh, Karen Anderson on this, on this podcast was helpful in that regard. You know, everybody contributed what they knew from the fight. And one of the things that freelancers against AB5 has done diligently is document the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of professions that are affected. So um, that was a, a huge, huge help. And we made it an entire section of the brief that states unequivocally any test put in place to determine independent contractor status primarily affects people other than app-based workers. That's the reality in the United States of America. And that's what the brief talks about. Yeah. And the other distinction I, I want to make is that a lot of times when we, when we have these conversations, we, we, we make a distinction between independent contractors, freelancers, and other people as if we're two like, separate species. Whereas somebody who is already in a union job might decide to be freelance on the side. And somebody who is in a job right now might might decide later on to become an independent contractor. So it's not it's not like we're two separate kinds of people. It's it's the right of everyone in this country to be able to choose self-employment at the time and in the life situation where it makes sense for them. And these laws remove that right from everyone, not just from us. We're not just fighting for ourselves and our own our own livelihoods, although that's a big part of it. It's also for the right of every single person. Like, you know, once you become once you become an older person, especially an older woman in this country, it's very hard to get a J-O-B job even if you want one, but you can work as an independent contractor and make a good living. Why should that not be allowed? I mean, so that's that's what that's what we're we're up against here is the removal of those kinds of rights. Also that unions will be able to corner the market on everyone's labor. And it's just it's just not right. Yeah, and that's a that's something I didn't say in the intro because again, I always I guess I I think that all of you have heard all of the times I've had these people on, but every one of these people on this panel has had, has built their career. You know, they've, they've built 20 plus years or whatever into whatever they're doing. And now they're independent. And it's like, that's a level that most people want to achieve when they have a job is got, if they really love it, I, I want to be, I, I want to work for myself. I, I'm getting really good at this. I don't need to be, have somebody taking out part of my pay and, you know, I've got some clients and that's why, you know, I mean, am I wrong? That's the American dream is to start your own thing. So, I mean, like why, you know, it, I don't want to say it that harshly, but it's almost like taking away the American dream and just saying that, you know, it's not even like, it's not even h- tough to get there anymore. You can't, we're taking it away. Yeah, our biggest obstacle in California is people just don't understand AB5 unless it affects them directly. And even like just the other day, I was helping my mom sign some documents from a notary that came over. I asked him, are you an independent contractor? He goes, oh, yeah, I, I get about 200 1099s every year from all my different vendors. And I go, well, did did uh, AB5 affect independent contractor notaries? And he goes, nope, never heard about it. In fact, they overturned it when with Prop 22, so it doesn't even exist anymore, the law. Wow. And I asked the same thing of the nurse uh, assessor that came over to um, to do a, for on behalf of her long-term care insurance. She was an independent contractor nurse. And I asked her about AB5, and she hadn't heard of it. You know? So uh, people well, no, heard of it, they think, that, they think that it's either been overturned or that it's, the entire gig economy is exempt from Prop 22, or it doesn't apply to anybody, or, um, you know, the pandemic obscured all of the um, collateral damage that would have been exposed um, to the general public. That's and, right. And until you get until you get audited, you don't realize a lot of these people will not know until until they until they're slapped with a twenty five thousand dollar fine um, that they're doing anything wrong. 
or that they, it should be wrong, that they're doing anything that's in violation of, of the $25,000 fine. I had that because yeah, one of, one, yeah, her one instance, of, her in, yeah. yeah, one of my 1099s decided when, when Lorena was telling everybody that the, the independent contractors, it was okay for them to file for unemployment insurance. And then she, she said, oh no, I never said that. So all these people who were on contract, who knew they were independent contractors, filed for unemployment because their work had been had been closed down. So I, the mail did not come to me. I finally got a piece of mail months and months later, and I had a $25,000 fine associated with a $610 payment to this. So that's... To this. And that was that was not an accident. I mean, that was she. She told on independent contractors to file for unemployment just so that she could catch people like you. Right. That's what I was going to yeah. ask you. Is I? I almost. I was going to just say that Gail. It almost sounds like she did that and then said, "Oops." Almost like wink, wink. Oh, absolutely. Make, make sure you get out there and do this because this is how we're going to catch all these people and find them. Yeah. All. I was lucky though. I was able to get a hold of a tax specialist at the EDD. This was when they actually started hiring people that knew what the hell they were talking about, who told me how to go in and delete these penalty charges. So I ended up paying $170, which I shouldn't have had to pay anything, but you know, 170 versus 25,000, you know, but it took months. This is a a question I have to put out there though, because I need, I, I guess I need to know this. So when prop 22 was voted on, and I know that, a lot of that Prop 22 doesn't apply to you guys, but when it was voted on, it was voted on by over 3 million votes or about that, right? It was about 3 million to the, to the side of pass it. Were people who were voting for that thinking that they were helping all of you out? No, they never, the, the yes, the yes campaign for Prop 22 didn't talk about AB5 per se. I don't even think they mentioned AB5. They just talked about independent contractors in their own business, in their own industry. So people were voting. There's so much confusion and misinformation. But still, somehow they voted for it the the correct way, even though that proposition should have included everybody and been different and all this. But I think I think some people did think it included everybody. And anybody, everybody feels that, you know, just that independent contractors should be allowed to exist in any industry. So, so right, when, exactly. when, so when, so when Prop 22 came along, it was basically like, well, of course, these people signed up to be independent contractors and they want to be independent contractors. So we're going to let them remain independent contractors. And I don't think they thought about beyond who the bill was meant to cover, but I'm sure that if, that if, that if there was a Prop 22 for writers or a Prop 22 for photographers or a Prop 22 for consultants or healthcare workers or nonprofits, they would vote yes on that too. That's, you know? that, that's kind of what I'm getting at is that I, I, I would think that because, it, again, it was three million votes. Yeah, but what happened, that, what happened was that there was all this litigation and injunctions and lawsuits coming from the state against Uber and Lyft that put them all the way up to the 11th hour of almost leaving the state. So they had almost they had 10 days before they were going to actually leave the state. They announced they were going to leave the state. And that was yep. right before the election. So all that brinkmanship made people in California realize we don't want to lose our ride share and our app-based delivery and our DoorDash. We don't want to lose it during a pandemic. We don't want to lose our side hustle. So they actually, I think that all that litigation on the part of the state backfired on them because um, people realized, you know, okay, we have to, we have to allow them to remain independent contractors. 
you know, but they weren't thinking about it in terms of AB5, I don't think, most of the voters. Because if you just walk down the street or ask anybody, what do they know about AB5? Right. A lot of people in California say, oh, it doesn't exist anymore. It got overturned. Or they say they don't know about it. But that's what I'm wondering about is like out of all these people who voted, even if like you're the, you know, you're earlier in, I'll even admit it, I'll put me on, on the spot here. So earlier in my life, maybe I didn't read all of the, you know, before I went to vote, all of everything about the ballot, everybody I'm going to be voting for, I'd get in there and do it based on the question. Now I actually take the time to look into all this as I get older, but um, didn't it, how did it read like in the ballot box? If you're casting it, like, didn't it read? Well, Xavier Becerra, who was the attorney general at the time, rewrote the, um, the ballot initiative to make it very tricky for people to even understand it. But, you know, the, the, another problem is, is that there was all these, all of the, the, the coalition got divided, you know, the, the, um, the freelancer coalition when they got their exemptions, you know, so the musicians dropped out of the, dropped right. out of the fight. You and I were talking about that, how like once they were carved out, they kind of started missing. Yeah. Yeah, right, the pop musicians or the or the the Friday bands, but they still can only do one performance per venue. That's right. That's so. what they don't understand about the exemptions is that they're. I don't think they. I don't think they really felt the real pain of it's still in place because of the because of um, the pandemic. I think that once everything opens up for real and people can start to do gigs again, and they realize they can't do, you know, the, the way they used to, they're they're not going to be as as complacent about it. But frankly, I mean. I don't like that people are just in for themselves. But the fact is, everybody's just tired. They're tired of fighting. They're tired of feeling powerless. And you know, so I feel like you know when they got when they got even a tiny little crumbs thrown their way, some folks just were like, "All right, well, I'll send it from that." Well, I'd like to ask Kim something, if I could. Yeah, I was just about to move to Kim. You, too, you so mentioned that leading up to some of these copycat bills, Kim, in, in New Jersey, that your groups of freelancers were allowed to speak in the legislature for like four hours straight at hearings. Yeah. And if that's the case, that's not the case in California. We were not allowed. You're not allowed to do that in California. All only thing you can do is, is, is say your name, who you're from and yes, yay or nay on a vote. You can't, they, they would never be, have had all of us sitting there. So it was every man for himself with AB5, and it just split the opposition completely, even within professions themselves, you know, so. It's quite the divide and conquer tactic, right? right. If, if they can knock out the groups like who has been insurance brokers, financial advisors, realtors, people who have big money lobbyists, well, then what do they care if the little people are upset, Right. The, the difference for us in New Jersey, well, we had a couple differences in New Jersey. The first one was that California went first. And I've said this before, I'll say it again. The first people through the wall in any war always get bloody. That's the way it works. And we had the benefit of going second. So we were seeing just a little bit, but we were seeing at that point what was happening in California. And we realized we needed a way to make noise. We didn't want to be the people who just got left out. So we, with intent, gathered up a bunch of freelancers to go down to our state capitol and testify at a hearing. And I don't think there was a formal time limit on how long you could speak, but we asked everybody to keep it to about two to three minutes 
and to come with something written and prepared. And since a lot of us were writers, we're good at that. We can condense our thoughts into short um, statements. And we made those statements powerful enough. And there was enough of us that it went on. Uh, and it wasn't just us. There was other people there too, obviously. But um, it went on for about four and a half hours that they had to sit and listen to independent contractor after independent contractor sit there and say, don't you do this to me. Don't you ruin my life. Don't you ruin my career. Don't you people ruin my family. And the, there was so many people in the room. It was standing room only. It was a huge hearing room that the press took notice and we were smart enough. One of the smartest things we did was to put out press releases about what we were doing, too. Um, and we just thought of that because a lot of us work in media. And so the press then had a story to tell, right? Little guy versus Goliath. That became one of the narratives. It didn't That's just good. become we're after Uber, let's get them, which is the narrative they've been able to shape everywhere else. In New Jersey, it became who are these women screaming at these lawmakers what but we weren't screaming i yelled a little bit let's be fair i yelled at a senator a little bit but he had it coming he was being a jerk and so everyone just got up and did their thing we we were prepared with some talking points for the press and when you looked at the headlines that came after that it was controversial bill swirling controversy about bill independent contractors say this will hurt them Writers, truckers, illustrators, bakers, attorneys testify against Bill. Like that's what the story became. So we changed the narrative, which is exactly the same thing we're trying to do with the brief we filed today before the National Labor Relations Board and the press release that will go out with that. Change this narrative. Other briefs have already been filed to the NLRB. It's exactly the same thing they tried to do in California that they're trying to do in Massachusetts. There was a story this week. They're going to try to do it in Washington state. They try to make it a story about Uber. This is not about Uber. This is about Uber and 600 other professions. And I don't know about anybody else, but I'll be damned if I'm going to let that be the narrative. I'm just not. Kim, how can we do more to get, like, how can we make the most of this event of the, of the amicus brief? Like, how can we get more of the press to pick it up? How can we get more of them to, um, to, um, um, how can we get more of them to understand that it's not about, that it's not about Uber and then it's about other, other things? About, it's, a, it's a real story. I think, I mean, once, once, I, I know the press has not been, they've either been lazy or they've been in the tank for the other side or whatever it is, but I'm sure there are going to, there would be some um, who would be, um, who would find this to be an interesting story. And, and, and the brief is news. So what can we do to, to get the word out? More? Our motto is get louder. That's what we tell people all the time. Whatever means you have, this is now a tool. The brief will be online. The press release will be online. It'll be P it, it, it should be online by the time this drops. So people will have it as a tool. It'll be on our Twitter feed. It'll be in the Facebook page. It'll be everywhere. So what do you have in your personal toolbox that you can help us with, right? Do you have a big following on Instagram? Do you know the name of your senator? Do you have a connection to some group that we didn't think of that might be interested in this, where you could forward it to them. Maybe you're a member of some professional organization and say, you know, if we need something like this again, could we, could we talk about joining these folks? Look what they're trying to do. It's a, it's a pyramid, right? 
And for those of us who've been in this for a couple of years, right, we feel like we're at the top of the period. We're, we're exhausted. We built the pyramid. We're tired of lugging the rocks. Everybody's back hurts. Everybody needs a nap and a drink, right? Most people, this is, we're still building the foundation, right? And so help us build the, get, get louder is what we say to people. We're, we're trying to put tools out there that, that allow people to make noise. Write an op-ed, do, call a radio show, whatever, whatever you know how to do, do it. Today in the news, they had mentioned something about Kamala Harris in regard to changing, helping to change the uh, description of ICs. Did you, did you read that, Kim? Um, what happened that I'm aware of today from the White House was a, uh, a blueprint was put out. It's been in the works for a while. The White House had announced... Um, I think it was about two months ago, maybe that they were going to create some kind of a a blueprint going forward, like a task force in order to encourage union organizing. So the report of that task force was released today with something, I think it was like 70 recommendations for things that could be done. One of the recommendations in there was for the United States Department of Labor to deal with what the report called, and I'm quoting now, a pervasive problem of worker misclassification. So between that and the fact that recently there was another announcement where the U.S. Department of Labor and the National Labor Relations Board are going to coordinate their activities a little more closely. This all goes back to what I talked about at the beginning, right? You can't get it done in the States. You can't get it done in Congress. What can we get done otherwise? This report today falls into that what can we get done otherwise category. Okay. So Kim, do you do you have you know as of today when this comes out? I now, should say that report came out Monday, not today. Monday. Well, no, I'm talking about the one from you today though. Yeah, our brief okay. was filed today. Right. So is is that in the hands of more um press than normal? Do you, have you heard back from press that will probably run with it? Are they too afraid because of who owns the press? That has not been our experience. In our experience, um, quite a lot. It's like, uh, I think what Karen was just saying, or maybe Lisa was just saying, um, whoever was just saying that it sounds like a story. That's what a lot of reporters hear. They're used to only hearing from the very well-oiled machine of the other side. That's telling the story that everybody's misclassified. We have to get everybody into unions and protect, protect, protect. All their lives are horrible and they're miserable and it's a trick. They're not used to seeing the other side handed to them with quotes ready to go, with people available to talk, with all the things that we are doing. So um, our experience is we're going to get at least some and we'll see. You know, you never know what's going to snowball and what's not. You yeah, gotta try. That's why I'm. That's why I'm thinking we need to we need to use this moment to contact people who have big megaphones and you know maybe if anybody knows anybody in the mainstream media or any kind of big you know like influencer like I mean like if Elon Musk or something like that you know what I mean to to get I mean I know that's a, that's a, that would be a big ask but like something like some, well, somebody in that like category you know and that's that's why I was kind of asking because I know some people who sometimes I can take things to like you know. I have a guy at the Denver Post. Is he not going to run with this correctly? Because he's a good guy, but are they going to tell him we don't want that story or tweak that out or whatever? Our phone numbers are on it. Give us a call. We'll talk to anybody. 
I know I've heard Karen Anderson say that too. I'll talk to anybody, anywhere, anytime. What do you want to know? We can't control what people write or public, you know, at the end of the day, but we can, we can say our piece. And I I would add in relation to the effort to repeal AB5, this could be a tool for that too. We sure intend to use it in New Jersey going forward where a bill was just reintroduced to move the state onto the IRS test. We're going to support that bill and do our best to try to make it law over the next couple of years. And this document lays out the case for why independent contractor work is necessary for why the choice of self-employment should be protected and preserved and legal if that's what people want to do. To me, that argument, while being made today before the National Labor Relations Board, that argument holds up in a state legislature's office down in uh, Sacramento, doesn't it? I, I would think it would. Especially in, in face of just being in the midst of a pandemic. I mean, how, how are you going to make a living if you don't have something that you can do yourself? You can't, you can't be pushed into an office anymore. People are opting out of offices anyway. Or offices are opting out of offices. Exactly. I mean, it's, it, it, that's what shocked me the most through all this is that even if they did want to keep this law in place, why they didn't say, hey, listen, during the pandemic, we're not going to deal with this. Well, we were hoping they would do that. Okay, so now we're in the pandemic. We're going to put a put a freeze on AB5. We went after Gavin Newsom really hard. He didn't give a shit because it doesn't affect him directly. Right. But he during was a state of emergency, they, during a state of emergency, the governor would have been allowed to suspend exactly. AB5. But he exactly. didn't do that. And That's... there were lots of calls from different groups to have him suspend AB5 yeah. in the American uh, Nurses Association California chapter so that independent contractors like nurse anesthetists and respiratory therapists could work during the pandemic. And also the Independent Institute has sent out an open letter to him to suspend AB5, and that was signed by 151 economists and PhD scholars from across the state and a whole host of, of people, uh, business associations and chambers and different things like that were asking for suspension of AB5 during the pandemic, just allow us to work. But right. it didn't happen. They just dismiss us. They turn a blind they turn a blind eye to us, the governor and the legislature. Yeah, I, I just don't understand how they don't think that's going to come back to bite them though. I, I really don't. Well it I hasn't mean, so far. It, it has not so far. He he has he, he beat the recall, you know, I mean the, the state of emergency is still going on regardless of what's happening in in, in uh in real life, I mean, it's crazy. They well, can do whatever they want. That's just kind of life, though, isn't it? I mean, like if you look back in time, like I mean, some of the worst presidents, like if they were in office during wartime, it's like you just had to deal with it. You, you, you kind of, you didn't have to, but you did more easily because <laughs> they didn't want to make a switch during that kind of time. We're still in the pandemic, but come on, I mean, this, the public this sector, a- this public, excuse me, I didn't mean to interrupt. The public sector unions in California are very powerful. They collect a billion dollars a year in membership dues. And those are the people that that control and install these legislators. That's their golden ticket, these legislators, to have that backing because they give so much money to their campaigns. So in 2020, there wasn't a single seat in the Assembly or the State Senate that was lost because of AB5. There wasn't a single incumbent Democrat that was there. And there's not a single incumbent Democrat in the state of California that has come out against AB5, even after all this time, not one. They're dug in. It's incredibly discouraging. I mean, 
that's why it's so wonderful to see him and other people in other states. You know, if we can't be an example, at least we can be a warning. You know, I can tell you, you are an example and it's a cautionary tale. It's not a good example. They can say all they want. The Lorena Gonzalez's can say all they want that this was a great law. When we go in the room with lawmakers and I'm talking about moderate Democrats in addition to Republicans, the phrase AB5 was a disaster comes up. They know it. They know it's a problem. They're trying to figure out how to address it without losing all those big fat campaign dollars that Karen was just talking about, because that's not just in California. That's happening everywhere. So the question of whether AB5 did what it purported to do, everyone knows it didn't. Everyone knows it was a train wreck. And the question is, well, what happens next? And to me, that makes it a good time to pounce. And as we always say, get louder. Just get louder. I think there's a constitutionality issue too. What equal protection? Why, why are we different than anybody else? Why are we not allowed to make a living in the manner that we choose? I don't, I don't understand how they have, they have the right to tell us what to do. We are not in Soviet Russia. So far, we're not socialistic, although it, a lot of the progressives are sure trying hard. Well, yeah. I'm hoping that with that, with that, with you know, with the with the weakest brief, we can maybe help get more people around the country to stand with us the way everyone stood with the app drivers in Prop 22. Even though right. we knew it didn't help us, I, I phone banked a lot of us. You know, worked really hard to get Prop 22 passed because we knew that it's wrong for anyone to have to, you know, not have the choice to be an independent contractor. They 80 percent of them wanted to be. So we just wanted to make sure that anybody who wanted to be an independent contractor gets to be one. And I think that, we, you know, if we can get the word out using your brief, Kim, um, I think, I think, I think anyone, anyone reasonable in this country who knows what the, what the threat actually is and would really understand it would be on our side. Yep. Well, you don't even have to think it. There's data. Right. Right. Yeah. The, um, the exactly. Pew Research Center just a couple months ago in December came out with a new report that was specific to app based work. It wasn't all independent contractors, but they asked Americans, what do you think? And the Americans were with us. Every study right. we ever see says 70 to 85 percent of independent contractors want to stay independent. America is with us. Now, Pew also identified a big uh, political swing there. Um, they, I think it was a 19 point swing between Republicans and Democrats, where if you were a person who leaned to the left, you were more inclined to believe more people should be employees. But the center left, the center, the right and the far right, everybody else other than the progressive left said, of course, these people should be allowed to be independent contractors. So this isn't a, this isn't a, question mark in most people's minds. It's just that they haven't been, they haven't been educated about what the heck is going on and how, and how bad it is. The only headlines you see in a lot of papers are, this is about Uber and it's just not, it's just not. I think a lot of people feel that people who are employees um, are often are done by, by their employers and need to have the right to organize and, and not have, have their unions busted and stuff like that. And we don't have a problem with that. So I think, you know, um, so, some kind of law that would that would make unionizing easier for people who are, are employed and want to be in unions and yet preserve our rights would be the way to go. So it's a, a yes and, but not, not an either or. 
I'm going to have to sign off because I've got some family stuff to, to take care of, but I am so excited about, about the brief and I can't wait to get to be loud. Um, um, yeah, I'm Da Vinci Diva on Twitter. Folks follow me and, uh, and I'll see you guys uh, in the keyboard warrior lab. Okay. Bye. Lisa. Bye, Lisa. Bye. You know, to, to her point, um, one of the beauties of this thing that we've done, what we hope will be one of the beauties, you know, I don't know how it's going to be received, what we're trying to do. When you read these amicus briefs, I'm, I'm hoping no one listening to this has ever read an amicus brief because you really need I a have. lot of, you need <laughs> wine and maybe pills. I mean, it's, it, you're going to get a migraine and need a nap. It's, these things are written by lawyers. They're full of citation, you know, just awful. You binge eat carbs. It's just bad. And so- what we did, we're obviously not lawyers, but we are journalists and we know how to document things. So I don't know the number of citations in that brief, but it's dozens and dozens of dozens of studies and news articles and speeches and everything else we could find we cited in that thing. But it's readable. It's a readable document. And because of that, we're hoping people will be able to pull out what they need. There's about 20 pages of meat in this thing because that's the amount of space they give you. Any lawmaker who has any questions, I'm hopeful that we have the answer in there and people can just pull it out and use it as they need it. And it's documented with citations and with studies. So you don't have to go look it up. We looked it up for you. Here you go, America. Use it. Right. So also all the any any and all show um, links, anything for the show notes, because I don't care if they're long, I'll put them all in there. Too. So any of the listeners listening can go back and link to everything. We'll clarify what everything is and whatnot. But um, I wanted to go back to what something Gail said just a few minutes ago was that, you know, you're saying that, you know, you should have, have the right to be independent contractors. I never really thought about, and maybe this is a quick answer from you guys. I don't know, but you paid all of your business licenses. You paid all of your I mean, you've done what the state, you, right, but you've done what the state asks you to be what you are. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to make it. That's one thing that now I can't wrap my head around at all. Karen, do you know? Well, um, in California, the traditional uh, classification status for being an employee or an independent contractor has since 1989 been determined by this Borello factor, which is a multi-factor test. It's very flexible. So it's allowed for independent contracting while also not allowing for blatant misclassification. But because there were, you know, loopholes and it was, I mean, it's quicker, it was quicker for the, the California Supreme Court to come up with an ABC test to um, just make these determinations really, really, you know, fast. And it scorched earth for sure. Um, I just, uh, you know, it's, uh, so but, I mean, Borello- did, they, did they pay everybody back? I mean, not like huge amounts, but did they pay everybody back all their business license fees, everything that <laughs> no. they had just destroyed? No, in fact, they were, supposedly you were going to get uh, the, the $800 filing fee. It was supposed to be free and it never ended up being free. For the LLC, and that ended up being useless anyway because an LLC doesn't do shit for you. They don't care that you want to be an independent contractor. It doesn't matter if you have a contract. It doesn't matter if you call yourself an independent contractor or not. They want, um, you know, misclassification can happen with with um, an LLC or even a, a you know, in, in any industry. 
Yeah, an escort. Yeah, but that's that's not enough for them to say. Oh, you want to be a you want to be an independent contractor? Okay, we'll let you be an independent contractor. No, no, I meant to more like okay. So like Lisa, Lisa is an escort. Gail is. I know. I'm just. I'm a nonprofit, so right. So okay, but at least like Lisa's an escort. Did she get all? And I know. Kim was laughing, but I know that she didn't. But why didn't she? Why didn't she get her business fees back and stuff? Well, that's I, I don't that doesn't have anything to do with AB five, but AB five didn't change the corporation's code. No, I think what I think what Steve's asking is um if there was harm done to people, why wasn't it remedied? Right. Yes. I, I yes. think that's what you're asking. Because we're, ex- because we're expendable. That's the- exactly the right answer. Yes. Where it's ex- they they people think it's intentional unintentional consequences, but it's actually acceptable consequences for them. And as Vina Duval said, uh, she hopes that the short term pain across hundreds of industries will be worth the recentering of worker power. You can come up with a more Marxist. <laughs> right, I mean, you know, she, than that, but that's she what sits I in her ivory tower. You know, she's she's. She teaches at a top school. She doesn't have any real life experience. And yet she's, excuse my friend, she's screwing us. Well, she doesn't know the details, the gory details about AB5. She just speaks it, speaks about it from her lofty perch. Right. You know, you know what I think about her? I I think we're better writers than she is. And let's see what happens next. Oh, yay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny because when you go to her page on um, University of uh, California Hastings and you see her as professor of law, immediately you see like, um, um, you know, what is it about the, in the schools now, the uh, NRT, I'm forgetting the acronym. but all these things that are like the most controversial are the things she lists for her class classes. And they're all the things that we talk about where obviously she's putting all this into everybody's head too, that, you know, all this stuff needs to be ended. Whereas like that list is actually all the, all of us say, no, all this stuff needs to be saved. (laughs) She's, she's a questionable person anyway. I mean, she calls Linda Sansur as one of her best friends. So I have a real hard time with somebody who has an extremist friend, but that seems to be what's going on in the universities. Right. You know, if I, if I might, the, the, um, it's not just in California at universities. You know, we, Jen Singer and I, she's one of the co-founders of Fight for Freelancers here in New Jersey. Yes. We just published an op-ed about two weeks ago, three weeks ago in The Hill uh, about right a nominee to run the wage and hour division of the United States Department of Labor. His name is David Weil. Yes. yes. It looks like wheel on paper, W-E-I-L, but I think it's pronounced Weil. And his nomination just advanced out of the Senate Help Committee, and now we're waiting to see if it gets a full vote before the entire U.S. Senate. He believes what Vina Dubal believes. If you look at her writing and you look at his writing, they're, they're, they've adopted this language that we've talked about before on your show, Steve, called the Fishered Workforce, F-I-S-S-U-R-E-D, Fishered, if that's not coming through with my New Jersey Tony Bologna accent here. Um, they believe the workforce is broken apart into a million pieces that need to be put back together. And that independent contractors are those broken apart pieces. And they're going to bring us back into the hole. 
And what Jen and I wrote in the Hill was, no, no, (laughs) that's not what's happening. We don't feel broken. If you look at all the data, all the studies, and just talk to some of us, what you'll hear is that we feel more fail safe than our friends who can lose all their income in one shot if they lose their job, who can can never get out to take their kid to the doctor. They have no flexibility. They have no, the pandemic taught us anything. It's that we all need more control over our day and our lives. We are not fissured and broken as independent contractors, but that belief from the, the academic writings of Vina Dubal, from the academic works of David Weil, that is the underlying thought process behind all of this stuff that's going on in every state and at the federal level. This has become the dogma that they're using as the basis for what they're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I don't even know where to go with that. Is there, is there a list, even if maybe Karen of, of all people, you might have this, I don't know, because you've got miles of databases, but um, is there a list or a, a single website for each state that we could put in the show notes that tells people how to get to their Congress people like real quickly. So they're not like, I don't want to look that up. And I know that sounds lazy, but let's face it. People can just Google it. Right. Karen. I mean, you can yeah, I know. I, I mean, it, really though, the, the people that have the most power over your, uh, over putting you out of business basically are your state legislators. Okay. Here in California, it's the assembly. And the state Senate. So when Lorena Gonzalez first introduced AB5, she introduced it in April of 2019, and it passed in the Assembly in May of 2019. And then it passed as a law that September. So it took right. less something this consequential to millions and millions and millions of Californians. Took only five months to pass. They rammed it through. And they 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 the reason that it was so difficult to fight was because it was for every man for himself. So it was divide and conquer. And all of the opposition coalition was broken up into their own selfish sectors. So it's like the Titanic, everybody, all the freelancers are swimming for the nearest lifeboat or the professions affected are swimming for the nearest lifeboat, trying to get an exemption. And, and so the damage was done, you know, right off the bat. And in California, as I said, we don't have the luxury of, of getting a group of people, independent contractors to sit in front of assembly members and, and, and testify for four hours. They will not allow us to do that. We're lucky. You know, could just- you, could you get a group in front of editorial boards? Like well, one of the things we did here in New Jersey was we contacted the biggest newspapers in the state and we requested meetings with their editorial boards and we went and sat with them for, this was pre-pandemic, just before the pandemic, when you could still see people in person. But we sat with them for an hour and we said, this is who we are and this is what's going on. And we'd like you to write about it. And they did. Yeah, it's it's very hard to get them to focus on the big picture collateral damage of AB5. They, they tend to focus on, on, they focus in on specific professions like trucking, riders, um, Uber and Lyft. And then community theater is getting, you know, some some play in the media as to how harmful it is to, to community theater. But they but they don't think that it's big enough to talk about that uh a lot of them get like, it no, wrong. No no I've talked to each one of you about this. I just wanted to make sure that I had first that no jobs have been none of us know of any jobs have been created by B5. None. No unions. Nothing. I mean there was there was I would a, think that, a 
these boards would want to hear that kind of thing. Like, well, hey, your AB5 legislation you're talking about hasn't created one job and it was supposed to create tons. My experience with a lot of the um, reporters, even with the Wall Street Journal and Forbes and the Business Insider and all of these different ones that I've been interviewed with is that they really don't have a grasp of the law. It's so convoluted. It's so complicated. A lot of times they get basic facts wrong. We've seen things uh, written in Reuters that AB5 is not law anymore in California. So they spew out this misinformation, especially with the exemptions. The exemptions really, really made it hard for the the exemptions when they finally came through in the cleanup bill at the end of, of, of September, nine months after AB5 first went into effect. Um, they're partial exemptions. Some of them you can't even take advantage of at all because they make it so hard for you. You have to jump through 11 hoops to get it, get even considered for one. Or you just have this chilling effect where they don't want to touch you at all, whether you have an exemption or not, because it's too complicated. It's too, too radioactive. You know, but the headlines when that happened, when it when that happened was that all musicians are exempt, all journalists are exempt. All these free, the whole gig economy is, you know, it's it's the 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 misinformation that has been spewed by you know media and politicians who should know better has added to the confusion. So it's a constant process of educating and getting people up to speed. And normally they just can't wrap their heads around the big picture, so they'll just talk about trucking or they'll just talk about you know Uber. And I'm hoping that the brief we wrote will help with that a little. Um, when you listen to the language that our opponents use, they always say protection. We need to protect the misclassified, exploited, protect, protect. There's these people being harmed. We need to protect. So we simply adopted that language. Our message is very simple sentence. We need to protect the right to choose self-employment in this country, period. That's something that's very easy. I think for people to understand and based on all the data I've seen, it's something that most people agree with. So if we can shift the narrative away from the complexity, which we all know this is complex as hell, but if if we can shift the, the talking point to the idea of protecting a right that we have, that to me is a very simple message that people can get behind and shout from the rooftops. Right. It, and it's it's the it's not the freelancer per se that the that, you know, these the EDD is targeting. They target the hiring entity. It's the higher the onus is on the hiring entity to prove that they satisfy the three prongs of the ABC test. And so if they don't and they're found to have misclassified somebody as an independent contractor, they can face fines of between five thousand and twenty five thousand dollars per violation. Per person plus back taxes that go back by three years that you would have, that, that independent contractor would have had to pay um, a back wages, back benefits, breaks, uh, all sorts of things. And then of course you factor in the attorney's fees. So it's, it just puts these small businesses in particular in a very difficult position. So why would they want to hire anybody from California as an independent contractor if they can get somebody from out of state, because they're allowed to do that, a California-based company is allowed to um, work with independent contractors from out of state. So, independent, con- like an independent contractor transcriptionist, for example, who lives in in California, is losing their careers to people from out of state 
even if the transcription company, the agency that would have hired them is based in California. So it's very disproportionate, as Gail was saying. It's a, it, it really is a violation of the uh, equal, protection. equal protection law, you know? I know that in, in our community, most of the opera singers that I know who I went to school with or um, I've known and watched their careers as they've come through these different regional programs, they've gone on, they're doing something else because they, they can't get jobs because the, the opera singers that are being used are typically now being brought in from Europe, not even just from another state. They're being, they're being shipped in. I mean, they're being flown in because it's, it's easier for these companies to deal with a, a singer who is not based in, let alone California, but a lot of the other states. Yeah, Gail, and I, uh, Sylvia and I were having a conversation right. about something that you had mentioned to me about the language in the law that defines you. Yes. For opera company, basically. And you would fall under musical theater production. Yes. Which has, is not allowed to do, I mean, you're restricted from ha having independent contractors. It's as simple as that. It's right in the law. And it, the, de but the definition of a musical theater production is this a form of theatrical performance that combines songs, comma, spoken dialogue, comma, acting, comma, and dance, not or dance, and dance. So if you take that literally, don't dance. Well, you were telling me <laughs> that <laughs> if, if you don't have any dancers in your opera, then, then you, you don't fit the definition per the law of a musical theater production. And this is the kind of thing right. in AB5 that is so frustrating for so many employment law attorneys. They're like, this is going to have to play out in the courts. Can you right. imagine the headlines if a lawsuit was filed? But we didn't dance. That would be the headline. But we didn't dance. And then the public would see how stupid this entire or, thing is. Or like four operas back to back that each one didn't have one of the things. Yeah, and Gail, you were saying that your 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 <laughs> opera one. Leave singing your opera one. singers Leave don't they don't do spoken dialogue. No, of course not. They don't do song. They they don't do acting. You said. Well, it depends on who the singer is, but typically. <laughs> yeah. So well, what an idea what? that is, right? In terms of what I was talking about about getting louder. Why not put on a series of four shows, make an announcement at the beginning of every show. Tonight, there will be no dancing. None of you in the audience are allowed to dance. Nobody on state. There is to be no dancing. And let me explain to you why. Make a stink about it. Videotape it. Put it out on YouTube. The press would eat that kind of thing up. That's so, beautiful. I mean, so whoever wrote this was thinking of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah, you know, much. So it's, pretty dance. It's, it's theater of the absurd. That's what they need to define. Pretty yeah. much I, going to the recital format is something that a lot of the small companies are looking to do where you don't have an, you're not paying an orchestra, you pay a pianist. Everybody else, either they donate their time or, and you donate money to their, their schools or their causes or whatever, or these singers come in, they just come in, they sing their songs and we pay them under the table. Well, here's something that happened recently. The California Arts Council is announcing that they're going to be giving out these grants on behalf of, you know, the performers, the performers to help them during this time. And so the people, the grant reviewers that they want to bring on, they want it. They, 
they will pay them honorariums for their work, hundred dollars right. a day. Right. That is a violation of AB five. Absolutely. You cannot the theaters or anybody cannot get around the law by just having volunteers and then paying them stipends up front. If you're gonna if you're gonna gift a volunteer, it has to be a surprise after the fact. It can't be foretold prior. You know, so a lot of these opera, uh, not opera companies, but community theaters are are trying to work around AB5 by having paid volunteers or un- people under the table or whatever. But that's not, that is not going to fly. It's, mm-hmm. it's not in compliance with AB5. And, and, but then here you have state agencies that they just flaunt the law themselves. They just, it flies in the face like the EDD during the height of the pandemic. Yeah. They were hiring independent contractors. Exactly. It, the Cal Arts is, was a big supporter of AB5. They went and supported it at the state level. I just don't even understand what they were thinking. Don't get me started about them. And they charged money for that, for that webinar. Yeah. It, it was just outrageous. And so that's what happens in Sacramento. You have these advocacy groups that are, you know, cronies and in bed with the legislatures and they, they go, they go along to get along and they're really not. Um, I mean, Julie Baker, the director of Calif- uh, Californians for the arts said she wasn't against, they weren't against AB5. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. You, know, you, know so- what, you know, it needs to happen. And I am not the writer for this, but there's gotta be one who is someone needs to write a comedy musical called the no dancing musical. And that's the title of the show. And you get lawyers to vet it and you write it right into the script where a performer would be starting to dance and then someone would run up and go, no, 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 not because of AB5. It would be great. Make a one act, no dancing musical and make a point and the press would come. The press would come. They would love it. They'd eat it up. Yes, it would have to be only one day a week. One day a week. You can't do more than one day a week. I was even just thinking about this though. Like, what about if you did like a 20 or a, you know, like let's call it seven minutes, five minutes per segment and some interludes. So like a 25 minute video that you had the same people either volunteer or whatever you could do to get some just performers for the day that are just going to just do a little like kind of joking thing. And you put on like something that is all dance, like river dance and they can't dance. And then you do something like, uh, one of your operas where the opera singer comes out, but can't make any noise. You know, the actors and, gang, which and is it just Tim happens Robbins, all in one video. And this is, this they is could what help with that. Does. They were in the New York times talking about how this is ridiculous. That's a huge company that could help with that. You know, like get creative about it, get louder, spoon feed stuff to the press. They will eat that up a 15 minute, no dancing river dance. Yeah. Do it as street art. <laughs> I, people would go crazy for Just it. Just have them stand there, yeah. 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 John Cage. <laughs> go to the piano that's and how, don't do but, anything. But don't you see, that's how you get louder. We are never going to have the money. We are never going to have the access. We are never going to have the influence of all these people who have done this to us. That's not going to happen. We have a lot of creativity. And I can say, speaking for the New Jerseyans, we have very big mouths if we can just get our hands on a microphone. So think creatively. I mean, there's so many opportunities with what you just described to make a lot of noise and embarrass the hell out of them for this awful thing that they have <laughs> That's done what I'm to everybody too, you know, and like, yeah, even if like Kim said, keep it even shorter, get it down to like a 13 minute video. Cause that's what YouTube says is the perfect time. Then get that out to the media too. 
We, we just went and testified in Trenton, Debbie Kaplan, another of the co-founders out here in New Jersey. Uh, we went and testified in December because they tried to pass one of these exemption bills, like Karen's talking about happened out in California. It's happening here in New Jersey, too. They tried to do an entire bill exempting golf caddies from yeah. the uh, from yeah. the independent contractor laws. And so we went down and testified and sent out some press releases and and got hold of a guy we knew from the state's biggest television station and said, have you seen this stupidity? And he's like, oh, yeah, we got to do a story on that. It. They love it if you just hand it to them. We had Caddyshack references ready to go. It played on a loop for like nine hours on TV that night. It was fantastic. So they'll eat it up if you just give it to them in a in a little bite-sized entertaining snippet that they can that they can suck down. They we love it. Call, Gail, we could call our production the theater of the absurd. Oh, it's good. And we I mean, can invite every, all every ticket come in and be, tap dance around the truth. Every right. ticket should be just given to media people too that you think would come. And if they theater won't, then... of the absurd, a tap dance around the truth is the greatest title you could have possibly thought. That's fantastic. <laughs> Put it on a playbill. Let's go. Get it done. Yeah, because I feel like Gail. I feel like you. You know the people. You know the even if they're not. They would never do a river dance, let's say, or something of that, whatever it was. You see an opera singer doing a river dance? No, but oh they're not going to have to. They yeah. have to stand there. <laughs> well, we had something like this happen with the lollipops. With the lollipops, there was a, and Hannah is not here. Senator Hannah. About it. There was a uh, repeal and replace bill that was up for a hearing um, in, the, in the state Senate. And this, state senator disparaged freelancers because oh we can understand why why they might be upset because we're they their lollipops got taken away right and the minute that she spoke that i'm sure she regretted it because the backlash from my group and all the freelancers you know that that knew about it or found out about it later was just absolutely horrendous and people started mailing big bags of dum-dums lollipops to her office and then forevermore, we call her Senator Lollipop. Yes. And so when Lisa, Lisa and I were on the phone, we were right before um, the public testimony was being taken for AB 2257, which was the cleanup bill. And she asked me, because we can only say our name, where we're from, and yes or no, nothing else, or they'll cut you off. And she said, who should I say I'm from? And I said, say you're from the Lollipop Guild. <laughs> And so right there in front of Lorena Gonzalez on the, on the public speaker, uh, public address system or whatever you call it, she said, my name is Lisa Rothstein. I'm a member of the disenfranchised uh, freelancers of the Lollipop Guild. And I'm calling in to, you know, oppose blah, blah, blah. You know, so it just took on a life of its own because they just, um, these labor proponents, they just... Um, they say the stupidest things so often, don't they, Kim? You've heard a lot of really stupid things come out of their mouths. They say a lot of things they've been handed on a fact sheet. That's what I'll say. And those fact sheets are very easily debunked. And we simply try to have better quotes. Give them better quotes. You're not protecting us. You're attacking us. Right. They don't like that one. It's what's well, happening. I say it just like that. You're not protecting me. You're attacking me. Stop some dead in their tracks. Just try to have better quotes. Yeah. And then you, you do have to come back after uh, at them with, 
with facts because most of them in California hide behind the dynamics decision um, as the reason why, oh, we have to have AB5 to protect people. Um, but it, you, in order to fight the fuckery, you have to be armed with facts. That's my motto. That's why I'm just constantly. Just but you, but you all are. Every aspect and of that's it. the thing. I feel like they feel. I feel like they've gotten too comfortable. They feel like okay, this group isn't going to do anything, even though they're good writers, even though they're good speakers. All this. I feel like. I mean, at least for me, it's like it is time to like flip the script and do the 180 and just start. You know, it might not be like what we were just talking about as an idea, but just stuff that's going to annoy them. You got to get under their skin. I mean, <laughs> what, I, what we talk about is bringing it into the light. A lot of this gets through because it's done in the dark, right? As as least uh, what was Karen just saying? Five months they took from yeah. when it was in. So in New Jersey, they tried to do it in three. They introduced it in November of 2019. The session ended in January. So we found out that it existed with less than three months to organize a group, figure out what we were going to call, you know, this is a startling (laughs) development in your life. Right. So they intentionally try to do it in the dark. That caddy bill would have sailed through and gotten signed into law probably if we hadn't showed up and made, because no one would have even known that it had happened. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have existed. So shine the light, come up with a creative way to shine the light. The press will always bite if you're creative enough. Always. They're looking for stuff to write about. Well, every year they like they love to write about professional Santas in AB5. They just because yeah, it's quirky, right? They yeah. have, the, yeah. have everybody dressed in Santa suits. Yeah. Well, there was a Santa rally that happened right up to the <laughs> Capitol. You know, all of that, there was so much momentum in the beginning from so many groups. We were all, we had rallies, we had PSAs, we had professionally done in studios with all, we had, we had access to every creative professional you could possibly imagine in in my group. And we all came together, you know, to do various projects and and stuff. You and I I even talked about this, that once they started giving the carve outs, it was just fracturing the group as a whole. Absolutely. With the, 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 one of the biggest groups that, was in my freelancers against AB5 um, were translators and interpreters, and they got an exemption at the 11th hour, just barely. But, you know, and the writers um, from the California Freelance Writers United, they all peeled away. They don't talk about it anymore. You know, and, and musicians are under the mistaken impression that they are, every musician is exempted, which they're not. You know, uh, they have, there's partial exemptions, but there's a whole segment of musicians that are not exempt. Right. Including musicians that would work for community theater and opera. What bothers me, I think, more than anything else is if your brother is having his arm cut off. Are you going to leave once it's cut off? Or are you going to stay there and you're going to try and nurse him back to health? So the musicians who got got their piece of the pie and then just left the rest of us to drown or bleed to death? I don't get it. I don't understand that type of mentality. Well, I can say I was working on this a little today. Um, We have the same problem in New Jersey, like we just talked about. The people with the power and the access are getting some special favors. And I was on the phone today with a lobbyist for one of those big money power groups um, that got a big favor from the legislature on this. And what we talked about was how, what we as fight for freelancers in New Jersey are going to do going forward is 
try to promote this bill that moves the state onto the IRS test because that would protect every legitimate contractor in the state. Now, to that lobbyist, they're already in the clear for now is how they look at it for now. Getting that test for everyone now that they got their little piece of the pie, helping to bring the rest of us up if they don't have to do the work and we do the work, they'll sign on and support it and and lend their power to our coalition and our voice. So while I agree with everything you guys are saying that it's the total divide and conquer mess when when they start doling out these exemptions, that's happened. That that's the battlefield. The blood is already on the battlefields. So what can we do to regroup and get them to come fight with us in the next battle? And when you talk to them about this will give you all a cushion going forward, that if something happens with that exemption, now the underlying law will be fixed. They're open to that and they're open to helping with that. And that's going to be one of the things that we work on out here going forward and that we're going to try to talk to folks about at the federal level, too. I think we're going to see at the federal level what we've seen in the states. It's human nature, like Gail was just saying. People are, if all they can get is something for themselves, that's what they're going to get at the end of the day. But going forward, once they have that and they feel a little more secure, then I think maybe they're a little more willing to lend a hand. Uh, I've been asked to speak on a panel on March 8th, I think it is. The California Advisory Committee to the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights asked me to speak at an upcoming panel that's focused on the civil rights implications of AB5. Specifically, they want to examine the impacts on minority groups, including women, people of color, and people with disabilities. So a lot of times I will get calls from various groups and can you send me any, I need minorities. I need to focus, but you need to, you need to send me minorities that are impacted by AB5 that I can write about, you know. And sometimes I say, well, a lot of times I don't even know the ethnicity of a lot of the members of my group. They talk about their professions. But anyway, the project will culminate in a report issued to the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights with findings and recommendations for all levels of government. So, um, you know, hopefully, you know, those kinds of hearings and panel discussions can also be possibly you know, shine the light on, on the, the horror stories, because to me, those are the most power. That's the, our most powerful weapon is the stories of destruction, the actual stories right. of personal destruction. Cause you can, you can argue about, Oh, this could happen to me or you, you might take away my life or whatever. But when you, when you focus on all of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of real life stories of devastation that this, these laws create on average hardworking Americans, be it, be they, career professionals, licensed professionals, artists, musicians, you know, nonprofits, just across the board. That's the, that is a very powerful, you know, how can you, how can you deny or dismiss those stories? Exactly. I think that what came out today from Kim is, you know, it's something different and hopefully it hits people differently, but Obviously, the example that people can use is California. I still don't know how people, maybe they just don't have that extra time to go look at California AB5 if they live in wherever, you know, or they're just like, or like we've, I think I've talked about with each one of you again, until AB5 went into effect, nobody knew it. Nobody believed it. Even those that you had been told didn't believe it, you know, until it was like it had happened, not only just passed, but until January 1st, when it's like, no, this is real. 
Because it sounds insane, right? (laughs) Who would believe it? It sounds crazy. The problem is that the freelancer, the independent contractor, is at the mercy of the hiring entity, the legal department, who is advising the hiring entity. So, you know, just because you have an exemption, just because I'm a writer and I might have an exemption doesn't mean that they're going to go ahead and and give me the assignment because I'm from California. Right. And and so it's out of the editor's hand or the publisher. Their legal department are telling them to stay away from independent contractors, to stay away. And we're hearing this story. We're hearing this from employment law attorneys in our group. That's huge discrimination. It is. Californians are being discriminated against. Exactly. And the disparity was really, really uh, apparent during the pandemic when everybody, when the shutdown happened and everybody could, nobody could go out and work. So, you know, I would think California of all states, that's like, that would be a huge hitting point. If all, if everybody that doesn't know about this just knew there's major discrimination here, that seems like it would hit to home with all the California voters. I don't know. I don't, I'm not there, but I know a handful in the way that the state is and. The people that are really impacted by it, who get who have fallen through the cracks, are seniors. As we discussed, the ageism with AB five is horrible because you lose your you lose your sixty to seventy dollar an hour client. Right? Are you going to be? Are they going to hire you full time to make up to even equal what you were earning as a freelancer? No, because you're in your sixties. Forget it. So the, these people have really been tossed out into the cold. But it goes beyond that, too, because you shouldn't have to go to that level. You don't want to work for them. We actually end the brief that we filed today with a woman named Lila Stromer, who is a member of Fight for Freelancers. And what happened to her when she was an editor and when she was 52, she was fired from her job on a Friday. And the way she tells the story, the very next Monday, there's a kid making half the amount of money, whatever, in the chair. And she went and tried to get another W-2 job. Didn't even occur to her not to go try to get another. Do- Nobody would hire her. 52-year-old woman. They, they, they wanted kids. And so she became a freelancer. And now she's doing great. And she actually loves it. And so we end the brief that we filed today with her story. And uh, we talk about how she feels like a ghost. That's her word. She said, I, I, I feel like a ghost because the W-2 world doesn't want me. And I finally found this wonderful thing that works for me. And now they're trying to take that away and they won't even listen to me as I'm screaming and clinging to it and and screaming. No, she said she feels like a ghost. So that's how our brief ends today with the story of Lila Stromer. Well, let me tell you a horror story that I haven't repeated on online yet. A woman um, in San Diego whose son had a videography company um, got audited during the pandemic and she was calling me every day and I was having to tr- help her from jumping off the cliff because she was under audit and they were going after her, even though she did not have um, any, she did not own the company at all. She just signed the checks and did the bookkeeping, but because she was the financial officer, the audit was on her. Well, she had a 38 year old quadriplegic son and she had two, she's a widow and she had two African-American toddler um, crack babies that she has, was raising in a mobile home park that in a mobile home that she had spent 20 years retrofitting to accommodate her 38 year old quadriplegic adult son. And the audit was because they had two independent contractor videographers that they used off and on for a couple of years, not even all. I mean, 
maybe a year and a half. One of them was a 70-year-old or in his 70s, retired, had been a W-2 worker all his life. And he just wanted to stay active and get out and about town with his camera. And the other was was an 18-year-old who had waited for two years to turn 18 so he could work for the company, you know, as an independent contractor. So anyways, the auditor, when they were crunching the numbers and saying what she would likely have to owe, she said, this is like in the hundreds of thousands. This is going to bankrupt me. And she said, well, you be, you cannot file you could if you file bankruptcy we'll just put a lien on your house and she said well why would you put a lien on my house why not my the the owner of the company my other son she goes because you're the one under audit because you signed the checks oh that's so wrong she said uh she said um you would actually put a lien on my mobile home here and leave me without anywhere to to, to care for my son, if anybody, if you know anything about caring for somebody's quadriplegic, their business allowed them to, to, to be able to stay at home and care for him. So she dragged her quadriplegic son in a wheelchair and the two independent contractors to Lorena Gonzalez's office to beg for mercy. And the story that she told me about their conversation will chill your bones. She had she she was so dismissive of them, and all she could do was say, "Look at the senior citizen and say, why don't you want to be an employee?" And he leapt out of his chair. She said, "And um, I said, I've been an employee all my life. I I would do this for free. I just want to stay active in my sunset years. Don't tell me what I want to do, what I should do. I don't want to be an employee. I do this on the side just for fun. Stay out of my livelihood." Yeah, and you want to be able to make your own schedule. You've earned it. You've if you if you hadn't earned it, you wouldn't have clients. So, <laughs> so. She, the long story short about this whole thing is is you know I was on the phone with her every other night. She was a wreck, and the others, the son, the owner of the company, was going to commit suicide. He was going to burn the house down. He was going to go just max out all their credit cards and just say forget about it. You know, it's it's over. My life is over because of this audit. And then she was she was not getting any sleep. She was fighting with the other son. And then finally, a month later, she called me. She said, I passed my audit. They backed off. They just backed off. What about all the distress that they caused her? She Can she file? So traumatized them? by it. I said, I, I want to really be able to tell your story. And she's, she said at some point she would want to tell it. Um, but she was so traumatized by it. And so these are the dirty little secrets of AB5 oh is the God. audits and, and how traumatizing they are for these small business owners because I get the calls from people who are only one-person businesses who are under audit. And I'm right. still getting the calls. Got one from a florist. Got one from does, from one who does crowdsourcing. Got, got one from, from an architectural renderer. You know, I'm under audit. I, I don't know what to do. You know, and mo- most of them, and I told you, Steve, that story about the woman at the platform that hooked uh, umpires and referees up with schools. Right. She set up her company with the help of of two employment law attorneys, and they they dragged the EDD dragged her through an audit. And then at the very last minute, Lorena Gonzalez gave umpires and referees a blank exactly. exemption in the cleanup bill. But it was too late for this woman because the audit already put her out of business because of the legal fees. So she 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 completely abandoned her business. And I've got tons of stories. Of, of of just regular women 
single single women or moms and pops that they're targeting for misclassified misclassification violations. But the one the the woman with the quadriplegic son was absolutely the worst, and I was I was right there with her on the phone every night. Well, and I, I still I still have the links to all the stories that you had that you had shared the last time, so those will be in here too. Yeah, those are the independent contractor story. Well, some of right. them are, I know. I know that some of these absolute, absolute horror stories, but again, it's, it's just another batch of stuff that people can go through and see what's been going on. Yeah. So I've been wanting to write a very in-depth article, investigative article about all of the people that I know who've been audited, most of them women, so that people understand just how draconian the law is and how the hiring entities are under so much pressure not to hire independent contractors because these fines and penalties can put you out of business. So that's, I mean, this is a ton to digest, but before we, before we wrap up here, um, if each of you was, I have, I want to put one last thing out there. If each of you was in an elevator with somebody, who didn't know about AB5 was totally interested or Kim in your state interested in exactly, but they were the opposing view. You could tell. However, they seemed like somebody you could chat with and you had a 30 second, 40 second elevator pitch to talk to them. What, what would it be? It would be, I know you've been told that you're helping the little guy, but I am the little guy and you're not helping me. You're hurting me. And I wish you would give me a few minutes to explain to you why. I need you to protect me. You're, you're supposed to protect us all. Laws and regulations are supposed to protect us all. This is the opposite of that. What I would do. Was, that? was I 40 seconds? That was good. <laughs> yeah, Very yeah. good. What I would do is I would open up my phone. To, I don't know if you can see this or not. It says AB5 Horror Headlines. There are 200 articles that I collected and actually need to be, I need to update it because there's so many more to add to it. Of all of the fallout and disaster and dumpster fire of AB5, everyone from um, the deaf and hard of hearing to florists to um, cam girls to uh, golf caddies translators and interpreters, uh, transcriptionists, writers, photographers, videographers, dance studios, Pilates studios, yoga studios, um, just everybody under the sun. And I said, did you know that this law affects all these people? That's the quickest way. And and they look at it and they go, oh, my God, I had no idea. I thought it was just Uber and Lyft. Is that in your Facebook group? Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, Gail, what would you say? I don't think I could do it in 30 seconds, but... Okay, uh, well, if the elevator stopped <laughs> and you had a little longer. So, <laughs> Without dancing, Gail. No dancing. No allowed. dancing. No dancing. So you, as you know, I'm, I'm the child of a sur- Holocaust survivor. My, half of, most of my family was wiped out. Um, and I feel, for me, it, it, as a Jew, it's extremely important that the people that the Nazis suppressed, the Nazis shouldn't get the last voice. This is happening again by me not being able to share the music of these people that were suppressed by the Nazis, I feel like the government is doing the exact same thing. They're suppressing people that have, who are trying to present 
educational, very important music sources to the masses. And now we're being cut off because of this stupid frickin' bill that has nothing to do with anything. Really, it's just control by the lobbies. I mean, that's, I, I think that's a pretty, that's a, a, and you almost kept it to 40 seconds, but yeah. And I mean, to be honest, shocking I mean, for me. You know, I did to not be see honest, her dance. To be honest, you know, when you relate to dance. the Nazis, it's the same type. It's the, I mean, it is. It's, it's an extreme version, but I mean, like, even, even Hitler was collecting art and ruining it or putting it up for himself or telling you the, oh, they only, kept it, they kept it for themselves. Right. I mean, but they were ruining it for the world or whatever, yeah, however you want to put it. They, they're, you know, they wanted to collect all the, all the, the goods of the world. They, they want, they just wanted everything. And they, and this is a music from my, from my talks with you, this is a music that could actually die. Exactly. Exactly. And then people wouldn't even hear it, not just opera or it just wouldn't be around. Right. I mean, maybe some like weird internet site where you could find some archived stuff, but I mean, really it could die off. It's, yeah. and so I don't know. Um, I think the main thing is uh, for, you know, everybody to look in the show notes, find things that interest you and click on them. Um, you know, Kim's article will be right up at the top um, or a link to which whichever one she gives me to link it to. <laughs> and we'll then, have the press release for people who want to read the short version. And if they want to dive in and read that brief, you know, my advice, scroll through the first 10 pages of legal mumble jumbo and just get to the meat of the thing. Well, if people read the press release and then go to that, they'll most likely want to skim it. So they'll get the point. Yes. Yeah. But I'm going to still put all the links to everything in, including Gail's because I know that, um, you know, even your opera, the new me opera had a, um, like a fundraiser. I don't know if it's still going, but, um, you know, things like that. I mean, just all of it will be in the links. And I think that everybody needs to digest all this. Cause I think one good thing that happened here today is this was brought on many different levels from nonprofit to writers to New Jersey, to California, to Lisa, who I know does some art. I don't know what else, I forget what else Lisa does, but she might write too. But I know she's big on the art. Um, she's a cartoonist. Like cartoonist. Yeah, cartoonist. Yeah. yeah. I know, but I know that she's done like speeches and things like that and a lot yep. of traveling. And I know she lived in Paris for a bit and worked over there. I don't know. So I I know that she's got a handful of things in her arsenal too. But this this is a perfect example that it affects everybody. This doesn't this is uh you know, this does this isn't just, you know, graphic artists or writers. This is this is everybody who wants to 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 be their own boss and to run their own business and thinks they can do it and do it correctly. And they should be able to. Well, I, I'd like, I'd like to interject really quickly, Karen, before you speak, I wanted Karen and Kim are probably two of the most remarkable women that I've ever met. They are basically the historians of our downfall as a society, but they have, they've given their entire souls to writing what's wrong. And I've, my my hat is off to you, ladies. That feels a little big, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, from my perspective, it's absolutely correct. We we are all in this together. From as far as I'm concerned, this is a team effort, and none of us can do any of this without the others. And I'm so glad we're all here together, and we've all gotten yeah. to know each other, and we are stronger together. Is how I feel. About exactly. It. Well, Kim, I know how how much work it must have taken to put together that brief. You know, and I want to thank you for being yes. so, 
I wanted to use the word bulldog, <laughs> but I think we're more like, weren't we more like wild wolves in the wolf pack, but also hysterical. <laughs> they call us a lot of names. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, to the, but the honest to God, that brief, the writing is not the hard part to learn in a format. That's nothing. It, that brief is based on years now worth of research that all of us have contributed to. It pulls from everything that everybody has collected. And that is not anything that anybody could have done on their own. So yeah. I, I mean it when I say it is written by, for, and on behalf of everybody. Um, oh, I just stole all it. your material and just packaged it a little differently. <laughs> that's what we did. And we did it with your blessing, of course, but that's what we did. Well, I'm going to send it around to some of the business associations that I know and see if we can't get some of their PR people to get some coverage on it. And I got a, I got an email from the, from Patricia at the uh, independent women's forum just now, and she's, she's looking for updates. So I'm going to send a link to her and get I, louder, baby. Get louder. Lot of, I got to make shirts. Lot get of louder. Yeah. Get louder. So anybody uh, listening to this podcast too, or watching it or whatever, make sure that you know, you're doing that. Like you'll find links, start from there. You've got some good advice through here. Just be aware, get louder. Um, obviously we didn't have anybody here from New Hampshire, but New Hampshire or uh, Massachusetts, you're going to have to get loud too. Yes. Um, and Washington state, it came out in the news this week, Washington state they're looking at now. Yeah. So, I mean, that's two States and, and Massachusetts is already happening, but you know, I mean, Kim's fighting in New Jersey, AB five's already destroyed California. So it's more about fixing that one. So if you need an example, just look that up. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know what to say, but yeah, more people need to get involved. And it's, it's funny because there's so many people who need to be involved, not just should, because it affects them. Yeah. And they don't know. <laughs> they just don't know. I mean, right. I talk to people all the, I mean, they just don't know. And they, and they don't believe that a pro act could end right to work states, things like of that nature. They're like, that could never happen. And I, I just keep thinking, man, I don't really trust that anything couldn't ever happen anymore. It, it most certainly was very easily could have happened if they had overturned the filibuster. Right. But then we'd all, you talk about a dumpster fire. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it's, it's, very marginal as to how much how easy it is to inflict damage on people and as far as what you need to keep an eye out in your own state legislature the word task force is also a red flag for something that's going to happen you know or a report there's a misclassification report that's a big red flag too right you got it you got to keep a close eye on your state legislature and what they're up to because you know they do not want to see a rise in the independent workforce they just don't they want to they want to squash it any way they can and, and too late. The, There's the, more of us than there are of them. The cautionary tale uh, of AB five is is helpful to other states, you know, because they're, okay, we don't want to do that per se. But why it's still in existence in California, if everybody can acknowledge it's a disaster or not, is just the biggest mystery, isn't it, Gail? Yes, it is. It's pretty pretty big egos, pretty pretty narcissistic. Mm-hmm. Our governor. Well, let's see if we can make a little more noise today than in the noise. Past. Absolutely. Thank. I want to thank all of you for being on, and Lisa as well. For I know she had to she had to leave for some family stuff, but um, you know we'll make this we'll make the video get some noise, the podcast gets noise, and uh, hopefully it just branches out from there too. And then you guys are gonna be making noise, and 
you know, I'll, I'll send stuff around. So, you know, you're a great champion of the issue. Thank, Thank you for you. keeping this <laughs> front and center. Well, yes. I, I always, I always love talking to you guys too. You always kind of bring it in into full circle for me. So this, this was a uh, fun to have all you guys on at once. So Appreciate thank you it. very much. No dancing. No okay. dancing. Okay. Uh, have a good day, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. I think that's that piece easily speaks for itself. Again, I want to thank all of my guests. Um, they are all, they have all become friends over the years. They have all become sounding boards for me. They have all become uh, places where I go to confirm or share information that I've found and just kind of get their read on it because they are, no joke, they're the all-star panel on all things labor-related for those of us that want to remain independent contractors. Um, So again, my hat's off to all of them. All of their links are in the show notes, people, as well as um, Kim's... uh, the press release, uh, all of Kim's links to find Fight for Freelancers, and then all of Karen's links, and even all of her blog role links that we were talking about through here, like the horror stories of AB5. Um, There's like three different links under Karen that you can go read these stories. And the horror stories one is just awful. And then I shared as well the one from a past interview that I did with Karen uh, back in November, I believe, of last year. So about three months, four months ago. Um, but yeah, so, uh, Gail's, uh, new me opera house is in there. Um, and, uh, Lisa Rothstein's, uh, website is in there as well. So check out their stuff. Um, share this, please share this with everybody you can. They don't need to be in the app based on demand gig economy to, appreciate this podcast and the magnitude of the people that were on it and what I think the content that we that we covered here. It was a really, really good, solid... I mean, like I told them an hour 15 was going to be our cap today. We just couldn't do that. We had to go that little bit extra because there was just too much information coming out. So thank you for um, listening and... Uh, next week when we're back, it'll be the CEO and founder of Display Ride. What is Display Ride? I don't know. I guess we'll all find out together next week. Huh? Until then, um, hit the show notes up. Uh, check out our new Rideshare Rodeo Patreon page, um, please. And uh, there is a lot of content that is going to be coming to that page. So uh, keep up with it. Um, and... Uh, Make sure to check out our sponsors, Middleton Technologies. All of their information is in the show notes as well. And we will see you back here next Tuesday with the CEO and founder of Display Ride. And until then, y'all got go out there and spin some good into this crazy world. And we'll see you back here next week on Rodeo.